Here at Calvary Chapel Northeast, it's our goal to make disciples of Christ by exalting our God, equipping believers, and engaging in our community. Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. Today, Pastor Brennan will be teaching out of the book of Genesis. Genesis. Let's do this. Genesis chapter 32, picking up here in verse 1. By way of review, we'll, we'll go through the first uh, seven verses here. Eight verses. Let's read together. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 1. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Machanaim. And then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, oxen, donkeys, and flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Okay, so remember, if you will, what's been happening with Jacob here is he finally got to a place where he said, it's time for me to go. He goes to Laban, uh, his father-in-law, and he says, listen, I've served you long enough. Let let me go. Uh, And... In, in his desire to go, which was a good desire, I believe uh, that the Lord had put it on his heart. Uh, we know that the Lord is going to, to, to visit him later and, and, and reinforce this in a dream. But uh, Jacob, his heart is stirred to leave. His heart is stirred to go. But what happens, if you recall, is that Laban knows, I don't want you to go. Not just because he's got family there, but he, I think Laban is probably a little bit more interested in the fact that, Jacob, since you've been here, I've been quite profitable. And if you leave, that might end. And so what begins to happen then is Laban begins to sort of barter with Jacob and entice him and say, what will it take for you to stay? What, what, what's it, what's it going to cost me to keep you around? And the problem is, is that in that moment, Jacob sort of gives in. And it doesn't seem as if he sort of totally changes his mind. You can tell there's a little bit of a tear there. Um, But he ultimately gives in to Laban and he sticks around. And what we considered last week, and I find it to be an incredible parallel with my own life, and, and no doubt many of you can relate to aspects of this as well, is that when the Lord tells you to go, you go. And that's, the, that's one of the primary things that we need to see there as we consider the life of Jacob, as we consider lessons from the life of Jacob, is when the Lord's telling you to do something, you do it. You operate in obedience. If the Lord says go, you go. Now, unfortunately, we don't always do that. We don't, we're not always obedient the first time. Praise God for His, His grace and His mercy that He doesn't give up on us, that He does continue to work in our lives to prompt us. But the problem is when we're out of God's will, when He's told us to go and we don't, we, we stay and and we allow worldly promises to entice us, then things will begin to go awry. And we see that happen in Jacob's life. Uh, For Jacob, relationships began to sour. 
strife began to come. For Jacob, in, in some respects, his, his witness began to be compromised. And we can see that in our own lives. And, and I saw it in mine when I was in my corporate job and, and knew that there came a point where the Lord said, it's time to go. But I allowed the, the enticement of the world, I allowed worldly things to pull me back in to cause me to go, well, maybe that wasn't the Lord. Maybe it's not. Look, look what's before me. Look at the opportunity. Look at the blessings. Maybe I'll just go ahead and I'll I'll stay. And what was a place that was truly a blessing, a place that God was using in my life, but he had said that time has come to an end, now was going to become a curse. And not only was it going to become a curse to me, but I was going to become a curse to other people. It's not unlike Jonah. What happens with Jonah? You guys recall? Of course, he gets swallowed by a big fish. But why does that happen? Because the Lord said, go, and he said, no, right? I'm not going to do that. And eventually he finds himself down in the, in the bottom of a ship, and uh, he's, he's amongst pagans, and, and they're wondering what in the world is happening to us. Now these are seasoned sailors, and the fact that there is a, a storm coming that's causing them to absolutely freak out means that this is quite a tumult. They are thinking to themselves, this isn't just a storm. This is an angry God. Whose fault is it? Right? So they go down, and they, they, get, uh, they get Jonah, and they find Jonah, right? And... Um, Where's that at? Yeah, so, so they go, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. This is Jonah 1, verse 4 and following. Then the mariners, these are mariners, they were afraid. And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And so he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You know, I can say in my own walk and in my own experience, particularly in that time before I transitioned out of that job, it became to be a bit of a tempest in the workplace. It became increasingly apparent that in my disobedience, the Lord was allowing some things that were going to sort of, Brennan, if you're not going to go, I'll make you go, right? And, uh, and, and so when the Lord calls us, we need to go. But the thing is, as we consider here in the life of Jacob, fortunately he comes to a place and he's, he, he, he goes, he, he leaves, and, and then Laban follows and, and wonders, you know, Laban, what, or, or Jacob, what are you doing? You, you left, I, I would have thrown you a party. I would have given you a fine send-off. And he knows that's not true. And, and Laban, of course, is, is looking for his idols that were stolen. And, and uh, all this stuff happens. And, and, and finally, it's, it's okay. We're done. We're free. And Jacob, is, he's, he's off and he's going. And there's, there's a sense of relief that comes in that. Even though he's had to go through a trial, now he understands, okay, I'm, now I'm back in God's will. Now I'm going in the direction that I'm supposed to be going. And, 
and, and, and, and there can be a sense of relief there. And what we find then at the beginning of chapter 32, as we read, is, is so, so, so Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Jacob is a fortunate man that in his life he's had different occasions when he's been stopped. He's had sort of an encounter with God. God has, has worked in his heart, and it says that he's on his way again, and he goes joyfully. Jacob is a lucky guy in that regard. He's fortunate that God is gracious towards him, and so are we when we come to these places where finally we surrender to God's leading, and we can step out and we can say, okay, here I go. And Jacob, he, he looks, he says, there's angels of, of God here, and so he calls the place Mahanaim, because he's saying, there's, God is here. God has met me here. And those are wonderful times in our life where we can go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for stirring my heart. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for meeting me in this place and, and helping me to see where I'm supposed to go. But then what happens? So Jacob sets off on his journey, and now he's coming into the land where he knows his brother is there, and he had left his brother on not the greatest of terms, where his brother had said, I'm going to kill you, right? And he flees, and he goes, but now he's coming back, and so he's mindful of the fact that I need to make peace with my brother. And so he sends some of his messengers out, and he says, go find him and give him a message and so then they return and it's funny there in verse six he says we came to your brother esau and he's also coming to meet you and he has 400 uh 400 men are with him <laughs> and they're excited because they're thinking there's going to be a reunion and what's jacob thinking i'm a dead man he's bringing an army he's angry right and so here's what we have to understand, because we see it as a lesson in the life of Jacob, but we also had experience in our own life, or maybe it's just me. But we can go from this sort of, I'm meeting with angels, to I'm living in fear. How often has that happened in your life? Oh my, look what God has done. Look how faithful God is. Look at everything that God has accomplished. Oh, I'm going to die, right? I mean, we can go so quickly from this high to this low. And this is where Jacob's at. He was just amongst angels, Saying, God, you have done such an amazing work. Look, look, your presence is around me. He's, he's getting vision into sort of the supernatural, the things that he's not able to see on a regular basis. Oh, God, you're with me. Oh, no, I'm going to die. And so, and so what we need to understand is, yes, when we step out in obedience, relief can come. It can be evident that God is with us, but it doesn't mean that we may not face trials. We need to remember that experience and that God is with us. Now, the cool thing here is as we make our way forward and we pick up there in verse 9 is that we see a little bit that Jacob is maturing. He's maturing because we see in verse 9, then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. What does he start to do? He prays. What, what Jacob is doing here is he's praying. So as he's setting out an obedience to what it is that God has called him to do, and now he encounters a trial, which is common when we're following God, when we've decided to do something for the Lord, the enemy doesn't like it. Trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. But what Jacob does in this moment, because he's learned a few things, is he begins to cry out to God. He begins to pray, as should we. And what does he pray? Well, what Jacob starts to do here is that he, he begins to pray the promises of God. He's saying, God, the one who said this, the one who said go, and I'll be with you, I'll deal well with you. 
And there's humility here as well, and I think this is genuine. Verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Jacob is saying, God, you've you've promised to be with me, and I know, Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. What he's saying is when I came across the Jordan the first time, what did he have? He had a staff. He was setting out for a few days. And it's not lost on him that now he's coming back. And he says, I've got two companies. He's coming back now and he's got, he's got so much livestock. He's got family. He's got tremendous wealth. It is not lost on him how good God has been to him. And, and such is, is so true and it was true in my own life. He, he, okay, here Lord, finally, finally I'm stepping out. In obedience, God, you're with me. But then all of a sudden, the different trials come. All of a sudden, the awareness, of, oh no, what have, what, what have I done? Now I'm a little nervous. Now I'm living in fear. What, what if this happens? What if this happens? I'm with, do you not remember I'm with you? And to be mindful as we look at, back at our lives, as we consider what it was, because remember, for Jacob, God had called him to something. We've got to be mindful in our own lives of what is the things that God has called us to. Go back to those moments when God called you. When God made promises, when you realize, man, this is what the Lord wants me to do. And, and then since that time, how, how faithful has God been? How good has he been? It is a good thing for us. The psalmist repeats this over and over again. It's a good thing for us to reflect on God's goodness, to reflect on his grace, to consider his, his work in our lives. It's good for us to have that perspective, for us to remember, and for us to be humble. Lord, I don't deserve it. It's a good pattern for prayer here. And so then in verse 11, he says, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. So he's saying, Lord, deliver me. I'm afraid. I think this is a good prayer. It's my opinion this is a good prayer. I think Jacob's being honest with God here. It's good for us to be honest. It's good for us to tell God, God, I'm afraid. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I'm asking, I know I'm not worthy, Lord, but, but would you deliver me from this? Verse 12, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea. One of the most wonderful ways for us to pray is to pray his word. I want you to understand clearly that there is no plagiarism in prayer. You know that? There's no plagiarism in prayer. You can pick this up, and if you're struggling in your prayer life, man, open up the word, go to the Psalms, and just begin to pray it. Make the Psalm your own. Go through it and, and, and make it your words. That's okay. Look at other prayers. Go to, go to Ephesians. Read through Ephesians and the way in which Paul prays for that church and says, I want that, Lord. And so he's reminding God of his promises the same way that we can. God, you've said that you will not leave me, that you will not forsake me. I'm going to trust in that. The problem is for Jacob is he's in this process of being sanctified and he's in this, he's in this wrestling as we too continue to just wrestle with the flesh. He, he spends this time in prayer, but it seems, and some could disagree on exactly what this is and whether it's okay or not. I tend to look at verse 13 and following as, as Jacob going, yeah, I, I prayed, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really quite ready to totally trust yet. Lord, yes, you've said this, and I'm praying, and I know you're the one that's going to deliver me, but I might do this just in case. Maybe you can relate to that as well. As then in verse 13, Jacob starts to make some of his own uh, sort of considerations here. How am I going to appease my brother? So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present from Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their 
colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Imagine if those were gifts still today, yeah? 490 animals he sends. I, I don't Some of you guys that maybe you're familiar, maybe you've spent time on big farms. Um, I, I grew up in the farm country, but it never seemed like the fields were just so full. We'd go down to my, my mom grew up on a dairy farm, and that's probably the, the time when I would see like the most animals in one place, especially as they're coming in to be milked. And I don't even know what the, the head count was. I mean, it was pretty astronomical. But 490 animals, that alone, if you had 490 animals just out in the field, you'd probably think, that's a lot. That's a lot of animals. And so not only does this sort of give us a sense of as he's giving them to his brother, like, whoa, that's, that's quite a gift. But that also should help us to understand a little bit the wealth that Jacob has amassed at this point. If you, at any point in your own imagination, if you're a bit visual like me and you picture Jacob coming along back into Canaan, going across the Jordan, it's just a couple people with backpacks on, you're like, whoa, that's not it at all, right? I mean, this is a major caravan. He said, I'm two companies now. He's got tons of animals, tons of livestock, family, servants, etc. And so it sort of gives us a perspective here. And so then what he does, he takes these 490 animals and then he delivered them, verse 16, uh, to, delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, now this is clever, you know, Jacob, he's, he's not, <laughs> he's, he's, this is a, uh, uh, this isn't his first rodeo, as it were, in terms of, like, I, I know how to present this thing, right? And so he, they pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When he saw my brother meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong? And where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. And so he commanded the second, the third, and all who follow the droves, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face, perhaps he will accept me. And so the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. And so if you pick up what's happening there, he's taking these 490 animals and he's splitting them up, up amongst many of his men. And he's saying, okay, you're going to take this little group and you're going to mosey along. And Esau's going to say, what's this? And you're going to say, well, these, these are for you. And this is from my, my servant Jacob. And, and he's just behind me there. And then another group's going to come and another group's going to come. We lived for a while in a small town in Michigan, Schoolcraft, Michigan, town of... A hundred. I don't know. So it was, and it was in the middle of the, of the farm country. And they prided themselves, at least in terms of, you know, people can say this is the, the best or the biggest or whatever. And you're like, who said? Um, but they had like the longest and the best Fourth of July parade. And it was always a bit, a bit of an event. And they would kind of come right by our house. And so our house was a place that people would come. It was fun all day long. You know, people would be there. and Different events going on in the community for Fourth of July. But this parade would just go on and on. And at first you're excited and the kids are excited. And then about halfway through, they're just like, like another tractor there's a fire truck you know and and you're like how much longer is it going to be and you're like oh it's they're just back there and then another one and, uh, and truly you'd leave we'd go back into the house we'd get something to eat and come back out the parade's still going right and i think if i think of esau in this moment that he's got to be like again okay what which one? Oh, he's back there he's back there and then another one comes through and and, and jacob's just thinking i'm going to wear him down I'm going to wear him down, and he's just going to see all this is for me, right? And so, so what it was Jacob, 
What's, what's, what, what's he been his whole life? A schemer. His whole life he's been a schemer. Now, is he changed? Yes, he's changed. Is he, is he saved, as it were? Was there a conversion in his life? Yes, at Bethel that happened. And then he, he goes through this process, this, this trial with Laban, and, and God says go, and he doesn't go, and, but now finally he's going. I mean, this is our lives. This is the same pattern we go through, Right? And, and, and we can see great acts of God in our life. We can see great moves of the Spirit in our life. And, and, and we can say, oh, God, you're with me. And then we can find ourselves back in this pit. Oh, God, I'm all alone. And, and, and okay, I'm going I'm to pray. And, and I want to believe that prayer. And I, I really want to trust God. But uh, I think I'm going to do this, right? And God is just so gracious with us. And he's so merciful. And he's with us. And he's patient. And this is what's happening in Jacob's life. And the amazing thing is now, after all this, and in this little charade here that's going on, that it's almost as if God says in this moment to Jacob, okay. We're done here, right? It's time, Jacob. Because what happens next is Jacob sets out his, his, his men before him and he, he sends the gift along and he says, okay, I'm going I'm to camp here for the night. Verse 22, and he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and he crossed over the ford of Jabbok and he took them and he sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. And so this is interesting. I don't know what's going on here. It, he sends his family across. He sends his wives across. It's like, I've just got to get as far back here as I can. We don't know what's going on in the mind of Jacob in this moment, but we know that God is about to show up. So he takes them and he sends them over. It's interesting, Jabok here, it means uh, wrestler. Okay, Jacob's about to wrestle with God. This is that passage. It also means place of emptying. Jacob, I would submit to you, was about to be emptied of himself. And so here all of a sudden, it's night, it's the middle of the night, Jacob's all alone. Jacob has been his entire life deceiving, sort of scheming. He, he's felt the other end of that. He's, he's struggled. He's always longed for affirmation. He's, he's longed for identity, for security, to have a sense of value. And, 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 and along the way, there's been growth. Along the way, there's been, there's been blessing. But, but we should praise God that we see examples in, in people's lives where they finally get to a place where it's like, that's it. It's time to be emptied. It's time and here now, Jacob's all alone. He's in fear once again. And verse 24 says he's all alone. He was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now this is one of those verses that gets your attention. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're thinking like, what just happened? He was all alone and then a man came and wrestled him until the sun came up. Like, what's going on here? But of course we know, and we see it in your Bible there, that, that word man, it's, it's capitalized. That's for our benefit. It helps us a little bit to understand what's happening here, and we're going to know more about that here as the passage goes on. But this is, this is, I believe, it refers to him as an angel, but I think this is another pre-incarnate form of Jesus who comes and he meets Jacob right where he's at. And isn't that so our God that when we find ourselves in a place where, man, we've been just struggling with something, and we're just kind of at the end of ourselves, and we've been trying and we're saying, Lord, I've, I've, I've tried to be faithful and I'm trying to pursue you and I stepped out in obedience, but Lord, this is hard. That he comes and he meets us at that place and he challenges us and he gets a hold of our hearts. And this for Jacob, this was going to be that moment. Certainly there was that, 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 that first moment when he said, this is, this is my God, but now he's going to come to a place where he's going to say, okay, God's, God's ready to change my life. 
And so then he's here, he's, he's wrestling with this man. And yes, this is kind of a, a strange thing. I, I, I must say, I've, I've never found myself in the, in the midst of a, of a dark place wrestling with God, literally. But I can tell you, I've been in a, a metaphorical dark place wrestling with God in my own heart and in my own mind many a time, struggling. In verse 25, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Man, that blessing. Jacob's been after it forever, hasn't he? Since he was in the womb, grabbing the heel of his brother. He's been after this. And throughout his life, he's continued in many respects to attempt to be somebody that he's not. Constantly worried about what other people were thinking. Constantly worried about what everybody else was doing or what everybody else had. And here now, he's in a moment where he's wrestling with God. He's in just this, this dark place. He thinks that he, he, he has convinced himself because, because he's in a situation where he's not been able to reconcile a relationship. And so in an unreconciled relationship, fear and paranoia will take over. When there's sin in our lives that hasn't been dealt with, fear and paranoia is going to take over. And so he's finding himself in a pit of his own making, but God's going to use it. And so here he's, he's wrestling with God, and, he's, and Scripture says here he's prevailing. That is, that, that Jacob's doing a pretty good job, but rest assured, if any of you are a little uncomfortable with this, thinking, how in the world can Jacob take God in a wrestling match? I, I, listen, I don't, I don't know if this is what every scholar would agree with, but I look at this and I think to myself, this is, this is God who functions as a good father. And I can, think of, uh, I can think of many times when even wrestling with my own kids or, or those times when they're on my foot and they're holding on to my leg and you're like, come on, come on, you know, and you're bringing them along. You know that at any moment I could just go... And bop him on the head and, you know, okay, I'm done. But would I do that? No. My boys, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. Okay, okay, you know, you know. Here, God is seeking to do a work in Jacob's life. He's wrestling with him. Jacob's holding on. And God knows. God knows what Jacob is after. And God is going to let Jacob, Jesus here in this encounter with him, is going to let him continue to hold on. Why? Because he wants to do a work in his life. He wants to do a work in his heart. And he touches him here. And he said to him, and this is, this is amazing, right? Because here comes that moment. Jacob is holding on, and, he's, and, and they're going back and forth. And finally, and, and listen, what, what, what's, what's happening here? The, the prophets give us insight a little bit more so into what's happening in this wrestling match. And I do believe it's a real one here uh, in that they are both together. This isn't some metaphorical thing, but there is something bigger that's going on here as Jacob is in fact wrestling with God, as he's crying out to God, as he's saying, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. No differently than earlier in the passage when Jacob was praying, here he's doing the same. This is a conversation with God. The prophet um, uh, Hosea gives us insight into this. It's in... uh, In Hosea chapter 12, in verses 
2 through 6, the Lord also brings a charge against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds, he will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorable name. So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. The prophet here tells us that he's struggling there and he wept. He sought favor from God. And so God here allowing him to just hold on in order to do this work in his life, Jacob says, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go until you do this, Lord. Such places of supplication in our lives when we come to God and we say, God, I'm not I'm not moving on until you, Lord, move and work in my life. I can't do it, Lord. I can't cross over that river. I can't face this, Lord. And look at this question that God asks. In a way that only God can, he asks the absolute perfect question. In the midst of wrestling, we probably wouldn't think to to ask such a question. But God said to him, verse 27, what is your name? What is your name? There was a time before when Jacob was asked, what was his name? What did he say? It's Esau. It's Esau, Father. As a poser, as a pretender, as a faker, as someone who who went in to deceive. And remember, God had said, the birthright's yours. So so don't don't ever forget that. Jacob didn't need to go and do what he did. He needed to trust God to do it. There's been a pattern in Jacob's life. And so here now it all comes back around and and God here is is with Jacob and he says, what's your name? Who are you? As I shared with you last week and and, and alluded to as we would get to this story here, you know, my time of of, of running from God, of of, of allowing the, 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 the things of the world to entice me and to draw me back in and then finding myself in disobedience and knowing and, and then coming into that time when I'm wrestling with God because I know, Lord, I'm not, I know I'm not where you want me to be, but I don't know what to do, Lord, and I don't know where to go. And, 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 and who am I, Lord? Who, who am I? Because I've spent this time, in, in many respects, pretending to be somebody that I'm not. And now it's catching up with me. And for me to be sitting there in that most sanctified of place, Great clips in the, in the chair, getting my hair cut. That's not what you were expecting. You hadn't heard that part before, right? <laughs> and here, this girl, she's, she's got my hair. And she asked that question that, that always gets asked. So what do you do? And, I, and, I, and really, and I shared this with you last week, it, that question had been asked me a million times, and, and every one of those times I was, I was happy to tell people, not that I was a pastor. Nobody likes to hear that. Such a buzzkill, right? I'm the pastor. But no, oh, I could tell him all this. I could tell him about this. I could tell him all these things that I, I've become or I've tried to be. But here in this moment, when, it, when asked the question and, and all I've got is me in front of me, looking in the mirror, and I could hear God's, God's voice in that moment, who are you? And just like Jacob here, he says, he says, I'm Jacob, deceiver. And just that quick, just that quick, verse 28, and he said, not anymore. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. It's as if in this moment, God, Jesus here, he, in, in, his, in his infinite mercy and grace, he said, that's all I wanted to hear. I just needed you to know, to be willing to say, this is who I am. And then let me do the work. Let me change you. 
In that moment, I said, I'm a pastor. And it's like at that moment, everything began to change and God said, yes, you are. That's what I've called you to do. So stop messing around and go do it. And Jacob asked, and I love this, verse 29, then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And I paraphrase here. and It's as if Jesus said to him, you know who I am. He says, why is that? Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. God didn't answer him. Jacob did know. He knew. Man, I've just had an encounter with God. And I'm li- I've lived to tell about it. Guys, God is so good that he's willing to meet us in those moments and say, listen, stop Stop deceiving, stop trying, stop wrestling, stop, stop striving. Psalm 46.10, cease striving. Cease striving and know that I am God. I don't know, maybe some of you are in a place right now. Maybe some of you can just sit here and reflect and go, yep, I remember. I remember when I was there. But that place where you got to and you said, okay, I'm not going to keep striving any longer. I'm not going to keep wrestling. Lord, this... this this is who I am. And then allow God to work in your life. Allow God to change you. Allow God to do it. And it's so fantastic here because in verse 31, then he gets up and he goes from this place. And as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Man, he didn't leave unscathed. That man left with a limp. And it was a good thing. Because as he starts, I don't know how he's doing it, but as he's dragging, maybe he didn't have a staff yet. He's going to have a staff. In fact, at the end of his life, he's still going to be leaning on his staff at the top of his bed as he blesses the generations that have now come from him. As he reflects on God's faithfulness, he's still leaning on that same staff saying, God, I remember. I remember your calling. I remember who you made me to be, Lord. He's able to finish well. But as he comes across that river, no doubt his family's looking at him and they're saying, what happened to dad? Dad's limping. But along with that limp came a changed man. And I would submit to you that those who know us, those who certainly know us before, but even those who know us now and those who are close to us and those who we call brothers and sisters in Christ, they ought to see the limp in our lives. Oh, God got a hold of them, changed them. There's a saying, never trust a man without a limp. He's still a deceiver. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. And this, yes, is a, is a tradition. It's religion amongst the, the Jewish people, but it speaks to something. What is it that they remember about this man? Remember when God touched his life? God changed him. They remember that, this is the, the, that, that God doing that, that's where they come from. And so then here's the amazing thing, and we'll close here, chapter 33 and verses 1 through 4. Now Jacob lifted his eyes. So now he's, he's come across the, he's come across now, he's, he's limping, and, and people are recognizing, no doubt, there's a change in this man. I don't know what happened over there, but he's different. And Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And at this point, I think it's my opinion that, that, that Jacob at this point is a little bit at peace. He's sort of just saying, okay, Okay, here I am. What am I going to do? So he divides up the children and basically says, okay, they're going to get one family or the other one. And so he divides them among Leah, Rachel, and two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them. Notice he's going before them now. 
and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother in verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. You see, God had gone before him. God had gone before him. Deliverance had come. Jacob's efforts weren't necessary. Everything that Jacob did, everything that Jacob did to try and and sort of appease things and smooth things over, his brother was just trying to get to him. Because we see here, and we'll consider this tonight, but as they move forward, Esau says, I don't need any of this stuff. I'm good. I, I love you. And how often do we find that, Lord, oh, how much time I spent in my foolishness, and you've gone before me, Lord, you took care of it. But sometimes, unless he gets us to that place of emptying, that place where we're willing to just say, okay, Lord, yes, this is who I am. I'm going to stop running. I'm going to stop deceiving. And God says, thank you. Now let me do the work. Let me take care of it. And God's grace is so amazing, amen? How he continually, day after day, rescues us from us. His rescuing work was accomplished on day one, but it keeps going, and that's what grace is. Continually saving us from us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for our time together here tonight. What a blessing, Lord. What a full night. I pray, Lord, our hearts are full. As we consider the work that, Lord, you're doing in this fellowship, which, Lord, is yours. It's yours, Lord. We are yours. This church is yours. Its resources are yours. So, Lord, once again, I appeal to you. Go before us, Lord. Make it clear every step of the way that it's you. And, Lord, should you, as we have sought wisdom for, Lord, lead us to a new place. May it be for your glory. May it bear much fruit. And, Lord, may you continue to work in our lives and in our hearts, Lord. Whether, Lord, it's reminding us of who we once were and what you've made us into and what you desire still to do, Lord. You, Lord, would continue to empty us of us, go before us and do the work. Or whether, Lord, we're still in that place of wrestling. Maybe we know you, but man, Lord, we're still holding on to some things real tight. Lord, in your grace and in your kindness towards us, would you bring us to that place of emptying? Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, as we go from this place here tonight, like Jacob, would have a bit of a limp from an encounter with you. That we'd be aware, Lord, that that it's you who does the work. It's you who goes before us. It's not about us, Lord. Father, do that work in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, we pray. Go before each of these here, Lord, tonight as they follow after you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you would like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.